Yeah, I'm so excited to be up here. My name is Haley Drabelbis, and I am our Next Gen Journey Students Director here at Newark, and I'm so excited I get the opportunity to speak to you all tonight. And I want to take a moment on the front end and just honor our lead pastor, Mark, and his wife, Susie, and just thank them for all they do for Journey students. Yeah, can we give it up for Pastor Mark? Well, as you can tell, I am not Pastor Mark up here, and I know he's so excited to be back with us next weekend for our new series, Mind Games, and I'm so excited for that. But for tonight, it is Labor Day weekend, which is pretty cool, but it also kind of brings some sadness to me because Labor Day weekend always meant it was the end of summer. And so you're kind of mourning that summer has officially ended. And to me, it was always the start of a new year because I always followed students' schedule, which is the start of a new school year. And so tonight, I really hope to encourage you and challenge you because we're kind of starting a new year, all right? And so how does that sound for you tonight? Good? Okay. Well, a few months ago, I was here in the offices in the journey, and in walks Pastor Mark. And something you have to know about me is that I love fashion, I love design, and so I actually went to college to study fashion design. And so one of the first things that I notice about someone is what they're wearing or their sense of personal style. And so here walks Pastor Mark, and he's repping this fresh new champion hoodie. It looked good. So I had to compliment him on it because our pastor has good style, don't you think? I think Pastor Mark has got some good style. Well, if you don't know what Champion is, it's this brand that has made a huge comeback from only being sold at Walmart and seen on your dad to now it's everywhere and everyone wants to wear it and buy it. And so he asked me how I'm doing, to which I don't even remember if I answered the question. I just immediately complimented his hoodie. I'm like, Pastor Mark, I love your hoodie. It looks great. And I should have stopped right there. I should have quit while I was ahead, I know. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, what is she going to say? Well, I then proceeded to bash the hoodie that I was wearing, which is okay, except the hoodie I was wearing happened to be our Journey Students hoodie. So, little context, remember, I'm the Journey Students director talking to the lead pastor bashing my own hoodie of my team. Not my proudest moment. And I'm sure Pastor Mark was probably feeling a little bit uneasy about who his student's director was right then. Of course, I tried to recover. I tried to, you know, I, I love Journey students. I love my team, which I do. And who doesn't love an orange hoodie? Uh, right? It's great. So how many of you can you relate that you should have quit while you're ahead? Like your brain is screaming, stop, stop, stop. Your mouth just keeps running. Have you ever had a moment like that? Right? Can we agree that words are just hard sometimes? I have, a, I have a big problem with words. I can be really awkward sometimes. And even more so than that, sometimes conversations that are full of words can be hard. And I'm not just talking about the, you know, how's the weather, but, you know, now we're headed into football season, so there's going to be all these football conversations happening and political conversations at the dinner table, and it's like, can we not tonight? Can we just not? But I'm talking about some harder conversations, conversations when it comes to faith and God and religion. Those are the conversations that I think are hard to have. And if you're here and you're just checking us out tonight, you're probably like, 
why would anyone have those hard conversations if they're so uncomfortable? But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we do have a reason why we have those hard conversations. It's actually called the Great Commission, and it's found in the Bible in Matthew 28. And Jesus actually tells us, those of us that are followers of him, to then go into the world and tell others about him to share our story and make disciples and followers of him. And so if that's our, our reason why to have these hard conversations, the question is how do we have these hard conversations if they can be so uncomfortable and so awkward? Well, I'd like to look tonight at a conversation between Jesus and a woman in the Bible. And just to give you a little backstory here, Jesus had been traveling a really long way with his disciples. He's headed back to Galilee, and he was tired. He needed a rest stop. He probably needed some Wawa at this time. And so to get back home, he decided, all right, it's quicker to pass through Samaria. And it's this region of Samaria where he stops at a Samaritan village. And it sounds all good, except that Jews and Samaritans did not associate in that time at all. And so it was not very common that they would decide to actually go through Samaria. So it kind of makes for an awkward conversation. Let's look at what happens. In John chapter 4, it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to Wawa. They'd gone to the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Well, have you ever tried to invite someone to church before, and they kind of just look at you and they're like, you go to church? Like, that's their response to you. Or maybe they just kind of blow you off. That's the Samaritan woman in this case. She's a bit caught off guard, understandably, because Jews did not associate with Samaritans at all, which kind of makes for her snarky response. Like, you're, you're not only talking to me, but you're asking me for something. But in true Jesus fashion, he had a reason of what he was doing. This is what he says. He said, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to. You would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus isn't just talking about getting a drink for thirst's sake here. It's something so much deeper and more meaningful than that that can actually sustain us through the dry seasons of our life. And I've had plenty of these dry seasons. Actually, when it comes to my job, where things were just always changing, I've had new managers every year, it seemed, and so my schedule, my routine, was always have, having to be flexible. And I'd constantly ask, like, God, why am I here? And so then I would apply for countless number of new jobs, and every single job, the door would shut. I'm like, I, I don't understand what's going on, all right, maybe I'm just supposed to stick it out for a little bit longer, but then things would get worse, and I just found myself constantly stuck in this season of difficulty and, and struggling and discouragement and seasons where my emotions just seemed to control me, and that's this dry season I'm talking about, where things just seem more challenging than they ought to be. But Jesus went into that conversation, that uncomfortable conversation, knowing that the woman was actually in a dry season of her own. 
And he was wanting to be intentional with her because he had something to offer her that could, that could cure her spiritual thirst. And Jesus in these verses, remember, he intentionally went through Samaria into the Samaritan village to talk to this woman because he shows us, hey, he's disregarding any social customs here because he has something to offer her. He has a gift, and it's for everyone. It's for anyone, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what color you are. He has this gift called living water. And so let's jump down to verse 13. Says so Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, meaning from the well, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. We're all thirsty. We're all thirsty for something. And so often we look to our world and the people around us to satisfy us. But we just kind of end up searching for that next best thing. Because our last best thing didn't satisfy us. Therefore, we need to search for the next best thing. And for me, at that time, I thought it was searching for a new job. I thought that that would cure all of my problems. And maybe for you... You think it's a new job as well, where you're searching for a new job opportunity that'll pay more, the schedule will be better, and then you'll be happier. Maybe you're searching for that next relationship that finally gets to give you that security. But either way, we're constantly searching for this next best thing, whether it's the next best house or car or iPhone. And what's the reason? Because we're thirsty. We're still thirsty. And we can relate to this idea of want. We all desire fulfillment and contentment in our lives. And we think that those relationships, those materials that we're searching for, that we're seeking that from, will be able to satisfy us. But if we listen to what Jesus says here, he says, that will only make you thirsty again. We won't be satisfied. We'll only just want more at that. But Jesus came to give us this gift, this gift of living water. And so let's look back at the woman's response now after Jesus offers that to her. She says, please, sir, I picture her begging here, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Kind of interesting response. I don't have a husband, the woman said. And she's just like, you're right. <laughs> you don't have a husband. You have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus brings it to this woman here. And it sounds a little harsh, right? Like, here's this woman. She's down on her knees, like, begging for this living water. And Jesus is like, go get your husband. Like, let's open this can of worms here. And I think, I think in this moment here, the woman is like, Jesus, why are you bringing this up to me? You know, like this is the reason why some people don't come to church because they think this is how Jesus will respond to what's going on in their lives. So before we go ahead and judge Jesus' response, we have to first ask, why does he ask this? Because it definitely seems out of the blue, but it's not because Jesus needed to address her sin. He needed to to figure out, hey, where she fallen short, address the secret sin that she'd been holding 
on to and give her the opportunity, does she really want this living water? Is she going to really choose me or is she going to keep going back searching for this next best thing and searching to be satisfied in her secret sin? And we all have sometimes this secret sin that needs to come out and surface in order for us to truly be able to receive this living water that Jesus offers us. And maybe you walked in here tonight carrying that sin, that secret sin, a sin that brings you comfort or somewhere where you feel like you've fallen short, where it disqualifies you, or a sin that keeps you living in shame. And the Samaritan woman in this story shows us we're often just blind to what we really need, to what we truly desire until Jesus comes along and he offers us this living water and shows us what we truly need, what we truly desire in him. Because here's the thing, we no longer need the next best thing because Jesus is the greatest thing in our lives. Jesus is the living water. He's what will, what will satisfy our spiritual thirst. We no longer need to live in shame. We no longer need to hide our secret sin. And Jesus never judged the woman, but he loved her. And because he loved her, he was able to lovingly correct her. And it's the same for us. Jesus doesn't judge us. Jesus doesn't hold a grudge on us. Jesus gives us grace. Jesus gives us forgiveness. So we don't have to hold on to that secret sin or that shame anymore, no matter what we've done. And those of us that are followers of Jesus, we know this. That's the heart of our church, the journey, real church for real people. And we see you like Jesus did. And we don't hide that. We certainly don't pretend that we're perfect, but we don't hide this secret sin. And we try to help you see what you can't yet see in yourself. It's how Jesus saw the woman. And he never judged her. He loved her. And he lovingly corrected her. And I believe we can do that in our conversations about faith, too. Because we no longer need the next best thing because Jesus is the greatest thing for us. And so my question for you is, is Jesus the greatest thing for you? But is he really? See, I went through this time where, you know, are we just chasing down all the things in our lives that we still want and we're prioritizing them over Jesus? And I went through this with my job. And the ironic thing is I'm still at that job. And I still get caught up sometimes and I'm wondering, like, why am I still here? And God, why are you shutting all of these doors? But I realized something that I had taken my eyes off of Jesus in that job. In reality, Jesus wanted me there. And I hadn't done what he asked me to do as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. I was so fixated on on my next best thing, on finding a job, a new job that would cure all of my problems. And instead, I already had Jesus, which is the greatest thing in my life. And I didn't do what he asked me to do last which was to stop seeing my workplace as my dead end and to start seeing the people in my workplace. And I'm not done seeing all the people in my workplace because there's still work to be done. So Journey, are you, are you seeing your workplace or your situation as your dead end? Or are you seeing it how God has called you to do as the people 
because I have, a, I have a purpose, and it's not just in Journey students, it's not just in my family, but it's also in my workplace to minister to those around me who don't yet know Jesus, because now I have his living water in me, and I've discovered Jesus is the greatest thing in my life, and that's the woman here. She's realizing now that she doesn't have to live her old life searching for the next best thing. She realizes now I can have Jesus. I can have the greatest thing in my life. Look at her response next. It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She left her water jar behind. This is so important. You have to catch this because her water jar is so much more important than what we think it is. It symbolizes her dry season. It symbolizes everything that she's held onto, all that secret sin, her, her past marriages, her mistakes, her misfortunes. She literally leaves it all behind without even taking a sip of it to go and follow Jesus, because now she has living water. And not only did she receive the living water, but then she goes, she runs, and tell everyone about it. It's a sign of her fully embracing this calling that Jesus had called her to and evangelizing to others and not keeping it to herself. So Journey, what do we need to leave behind in order to fully embrace what God has for us? this living water that he has for us. And some of us, we've tasted this living water. And, and God's done some amazing things in our lives. But for other of us, we haven't yet tasted the water. Or maybe we've had a little sip, but we haven't yet surrendered everything over to God. And we keep convincing ourselves, I don't like the hoodie I'm wearing. I need the new champion hoodie. Like, that's what I think that I want. But that's not actually what you want, what you really need. And we keep looking to our job or our income to feel successful or our spouse and our partner for security. And look, I'm not trying to twist your arm if you're not sure what you believe yet. But I do believe that God... God has something better for you. I do believe that he has living water that can sustain you through your dry seasons. Because what we think we want is so different than what we actually need. Because once we experience and realize that Jesus is the greatest thing, then we don't need this other water. We don't need anything else. We'll never be satisfied without him because he is the greatest thing. And for those of us that have that living water and we've experienced the power of God in our life, then I have to ask, have you kept it to yourself? Because the woman did two important things in this story. She not only left it all at the foot of Jesus and surrendered it all to him, but then she went, she ran, and she told everybody. So are we just keeping it to ourselves? I had this moment and this conviction a few months ago, and a family member of mine at the time was going through this really hard season, and I was at a night of prayer here at the journey, and I was praying, and I was worshiping, and I was praying for them so much, and I got so convicted because, sure, I was praying for them, but I was never praying with them. I wasn't taking the next step and doing any of it with them. And so I felt this conviction that I need to call them now. And I've never done this before. I mean, it was awkward. It was uncomfortable for both of us because we've never done this before. 
But I knew that I couldn't keep it to myself anymore. I needed to pick up the phone right then, and I needed to pray for them. And I need to tell them, hey, this is how Jesus has affected me with his living water, and he has it for you too. I needed them to know. And you may be thinking, it's hard to have that conversation, to pick up the phone, to invite someone to drink this living water, let alone get them to come to church with you. And I get it. It's not easy for me either. But hear this. Hear this, because it's not our job whether they're going to say yes or not. That's not our job. But it is our job as followers of Jesus in this room. It is our job to extend the invitation and then let Jesus do the hard work after that. Like stop treating the invitation as the hard work and instead let God do the hard work when the person decides to come. We've got to make the invitation. We can't keep it to ourselves anymore. So keep inviting. And it's so fascinating because the woman in the story here, she needed Jesus to reveal himself to her three times. Three times he needed to invite her. And he was Jesus. And so it's going to be hard for us. But don't give up. Don't give up on your spouse. Don't give up on your coworker, on your kids, on your friends. Because ultimately, our desperate need for Jesus will come through to that person. It'll, it'll lead us to invest and invite because other people are so desperate for Jesus as well. And they're not even aware of it yet. They're so thirsty. They're not even sure. But Jesus is the next best thing. And so how do we have that conversation? How do we have it? If it's so hard, if it's so uncomfortable, it all goes back to Jesus in this moment. In his conversation with the woman, he did three very important things. He started with casual conversation. Like, hey, I'm thirsty, can you get me a drink? And I'm sure it was awkward and it was uncomfortable and sometimes you've gotta embrace that awkwardness. But then Jesus made the invitation. He invited her to this living water, but he didn't just stop there. Once he made the invitation, he told her why it was so important, how it could change her life, what he knew about her. See, Jesus was willing to endure the hard conversation with her, and she was willing to listen because she knew that she was loved then. And we won't always say the right words, but will we say the right words in love? We might not always know what to say, but I believe the Holy Spirit can speak through us in that moment. We just have to be willing to share. We just have to be willing to invite them to learn the truth of Jesus and his love to those who are wandering and searching and asking and seeking. And if we do, look what happens next. It says, so the people came streaming from the village to see them, to see him, all because the woman She had living water, and she ran to tell them, and the people came. The Samaritan woman tasted the water, but she didn't keep it to herself. She didn't keep it to herself. Instead, she was propelled into action for the sake of others, realizing what Jesus has done for her, and now she needs Jesus to do it for other people too. And it was that moment that I had at the prayer experience that I couldn't keep it to myself anymore. I had to pick up the phone, and yeah, it's awkward, and it's uncomfortable, 
And it's a hard conversation, but you don't know what is meaningful to someone based on how you feel. It could feel so uncomfortable, so awkward to you, but it could mean the world to them. And it has the opportunity to change their life. So wouldn't you want to have the hard, awkward conversation if it means that their life gets changed, that they get to experience living water? It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility not to hold on to that for ourselves, but to go when we've experienced that for ourselves. And we're to share that with other people, just like Jesus did with the woman by investing in, in others and inviting them along to experience Jesus with you. It's the perfect opportunity next week as we start a new series to invite them to church. And J groups are starting here soon, and it's the perfect time to join a group together. Don't make them do it alone, do it with them. Invite them with you for when you gather. Don't just assume that they've already found the living water and they've already found what will satisfy them. We have to go. Someone needs you to bring them living water tonight. They need you. They need me, they need all of us. We need to invest and invite and bring them this water because it's what Jesus has done for us and what he offers us that then we should be overjoyed to leave our water jar at the feet of Jesus and then go for the sake of others. When we follow him and then we tell other people about him, the people will come. Jesus will do the hard work because we no longer need the next best thing because Jesus is the greatest thing. And if you've experienced that, you know that Jesus is the greatest thing. And so now it's our role to go. And I wanna pray for you in just a moment, but I wanna ask, who's your someone? Who is that someone that needs you to bring them living water tonight? Like pick up the phone and call or see them this, this week at work, who in your life needs you to bring them living water tonight? I want you to really think of that person now because I'd love to pray over them and over you in your conversation. And so if you have someone in mind, would you raise your hand and I'd love to pray for you and that conversation. Heavenly Father, God, I just, I lift up these hands to you, Lord. I lift up everyone in this room, God, who has someone in mind that needs to know you, that needs to experience you in their life, that needs living water flowing through them, God. And I pray over those conversations, Lord. I pray over those conversations that are gonna be hard and difficult, Lord, but I pray that we can approach it in love and Holy Spirit speak through us in that moment. Let it be your words and not our own, Father. Help us to use our stories to impact those around us, Lord, together as a community, as real church for real people, Lord. I pray that we can heal Journey City, Lord, that we can, we can have other people come to you like this woman at the well that leaves everything because there's no shame, there's no judgment, there's love for them. Father, and there's something that will only satisfy their needs that they can't get anywhere else. And God, I pray for them. I pray for these, these conversations. Lord, soften their hearts. God, and I pray that as we remain 
just focus on you. I want to take a moment and just speak to everyone in the room that you haven't tasted living water yet. And you're that person that needs to know Jesus. And you're ready to leave it all behind at the foot of Jesus and stop carrying that, that secret sin or stop carrying that shame. And you're ready to go now and follow Jesus and then tell others about him. And I want to pray for you. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now and say, Jesus, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. For, Lord, how I've held on to this shame, Lord, or this secret sin. And, Lord, I, I let go of it. And I leave it at your feet, Father. And I'm ready to step into freedom. I'm ready to step into your love and what you have for me and receive you into my heart. God, and have your living water flow through my veins, Father. Lord, I, I love you. And if that was you with all eyes still closed, would you be bold? Would you raise your hand? Would you let us know in the chat? Yeah. And you can put your hands down. And Journey, will you help me celebrate the lives that were changed tonight?